Hey, this is Bill Hale, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Hey, Metalheads, welcome to yet another dose of Focus on Metal. So this week and next week, we will be talking with longtime rock photographer Bill O'Leary. And if you're confused about who Bill O'Leary is, uh, you are among a lot of people. However, you have probably seen a mega crap ton of his images and never known he was the guy that shot them. I'm sure that they're on uh, you know, different DVD things and websites and all over the place. Guy's been shooting bands since about the mid-70s, so a lot of time spent in front of a lot of stages. And he even started shooting before they even had photo pits. And if you want to find out about Bill's history, besides what you're going to hear all of this week, you can also go to TimelessConcertImages.com. And you can see some of the sample stuff. You can see a listing of all the bands that he shot in uh, alphabetical order. It's massive. See a little bit of bio from him as well. And then I should note that he is also an author. And he has been putting out a lot of different photography books. And even per Bill's recommendation, your best thing to do is go up on to like Amazon and search for Bill O'Leary. So O apostrophe L-E-A-R-Y. And you will see a whole bunch of different photography books that are up there. And uh, that would include, he's got one called Southern Rock, Gone But Never Forgotten. He's got the Timeless Concert Images, the Definitive Collection, which is uh, his relatively new one, which combines Timeless Concert Images Volume 1 and Volume 2 with a bunch of other stuff in there. Then he has uh, Timeless Constant Images, three Colorado rocks, focusing strictly on uh, Colorado bands. As you'll hear over the next two weeks, he's a huge Rush fan, just like Richie is, and he has done one called Rush, a visual time capsule. And uh, that one there, he just updated that one recently. And then he's got, uh, you know, volume one, volume two, you can get those separately as well. And I could just keep going on. But he has got a lot of different great rock photography books out there. But uh, you'll also hear him mention the fact that there is availability of get a lot of his images. And if you would like to do that, you can go to timelessconcertimages.pixels.com. And he has got great stuff up there from like The Crew and Scorpions, Kiss, Van Halen. I could just keep going, but there are a ton of bands up there. And it's all segmented by band as well. And you can go in there, look at the images, and you can have them either as a print, a frame print, an art print, a canvas print, stick it on a coffee mug. I could just keep going. But if you find an image up there you like of, of a band or icon, then you could uh, order some of Bill's photography for your very own. So obviously very cool discussion over the next two weeks with Bill and Richie very cleverly divided it into two chunks as well. So that this week we're going to go through Bill's whole career and you know talk about some of the stuff I alluded to earlier about kind of you know the early days sneaking stuff in, trying to get photos, no credentials, none of that stuff all the way through to you know modern day stuff where it's the age of the first three songs and you're out of there type of thing, which is, uh, you know, I've done that one as well. And it's super stressful, very hard because you know, you've only got three songs to get that. And a lot of times even the bands are just getting warmed up too. And so you don't get a lot of that stuff that happens, that interaction and stuff that happens later on in the set. So I, you know, I agree with him. The whole three-song thing kind of sucks. And at the same time, depending on the venue and the band, you're in competition of trying to get into that perfect spot along with, you know, four or five other photographers who also know they've only got three songs to get their shots too. So like I said, that's this week. We're going to go through all of Bill's career. And then uh, should be next week, at least it will be the next episode, we will be going into... Just a rundown of all these bands. We just couldn't get all that in. And like I said, I think Richie did a clever split. Let's deal with the career this week and get you guys into really understanding 
what it took for Bill to get to be where he is today. And then next week, going through some of his memories of bands and shots and all of that stuff. So two great episodes with photographer Bill O'Leary. And speaking of photography, I'm sure if you follow us on Twitter, you've seen that I've been posting a bunch of uh, concert photos lately that uh, it's been just a busy concert summer out there. And even today, I'm feeling my voice is a little bit off today. Uh, Great show with Tesla yesterday. So if you again, follow us on Twitter and you'll figure out, oh, wait a minute. I know what day he actually did this show because you would have seen posts from me of uh, some great stuff from uh, from Tesla. And in true disclosure, only one of any of those photos that I am uh, posting or have posted were for me. My girlfriend tends to do all of the concert photography for me. And I've got to say, considering how short she is, she does a pretty damn good job. It does help to be within the first couple rows every time. But yeah, she's been the one that takes a lot of those photos for me, lets me enjoy the show. And she just innately knows what it is that that I'm looking for. So a lot of those great shots, again, um, she's doing those for us. So lots of great stuff. The next two episodes with photographer Bill O'Leary, and we're going to kick that off right now. Yo, Richie, what's up? Hey, Bill, how you doing? Good, man. I'm just uh, playing my uh, new metal playlist to kind of get psyched up here. (laughs) You're in Colorado, right? Yeah. So how, yeah. Hot, how hot is it there today? Oh, man. Well, here's the deal. I'm up at 9,000 feet in the in the mountains. Okay. So we're, we're like 20 degrees cooler than it is down in Denver, where it's close to 100. <laughs> Look at you, and, then. And, yeah, that, that's exactly why I moved up here, because I don't like the heat. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, where are you calling me from? I am just outside of Boston. Um, I'm originally from Ireland. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, you'll you'll notice my last name. Yeah, I know. I know. So good, man. County Cork in Ireland is where the O'Learys are from. Okay. I'm the next county over, County Waterford. Nice. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And I've been uh, looking at your page on Facebook. Looks like you've been doing this for at least 12 years. Yeah. One thing I want to ask you, Bill, before we get into the interview, and I might include this, I don't know. Um, The reason I found out about you was because I put a picture on Facebook, and of course it didn't have your name on it. Uh And um, someone put it in the comments about you, and then you commented, and then I messaged you, and I was sincere in saying I didn't know. Does that happen a lot, and is there anything you can do about it? That happens... A lot, and I'll tell you why. Early on, I used to post pictures on the internet, and I didn't have a watermark, which is the, you know, the credit that's stamped on the actual photo. Yeah. And unfortunately, there's a lot of my early photos out there without the watermark. And finally, I started watermarking everything, and... Yes, it happens, and I try and correct it, and not for any other reason than just to get proper credit. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want any money. I don't want fame. I don't want glory. I just want credit. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I appreciate that. And it, that rings a bell, and you know, yeah, occasionally I'll 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 look around and I'll see my picture and I'll go, wait a second, let me credit that. So. It does happen. Yeah, because I, I don't have any problem with anybody coming along saying anything like that because, you know, some people know it's somebody and they'll do it anyway, but I'm completely naive with all this stuff. I If it's well, not the, on it, I don't know. Well, the thing about Facebook in particular is not many people care because most people just share photos no matter what. They don't care who took the photo. And, you know, I understand that. Richie, I look at Facebook as almost being a black hole. I mean, it sucks anything it can get. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, as, as a photographer, I just want a professional credit. That's all I ask for. Okay. I'm not looking I'm not looking to make money, you know, just just credit me professionally. That's all I care about. Yeah. Now, I'm doing the show <laughs> 10 years, and I've only ever had two photographers on the show. So in addition to the two guys that Richie remembers, 
I also want to remind everybody that we've also had Bill Hale on the show multiple times. He's always great to have on. Good guy, incredible photographer, definitely one of the OG metal photographers out there. We actually had him back on episode 12 for his Metallica book, and we had him on episode 86 for his Megadeth book, and those were two awesome times that we chatted with Bill, among others. But definitely check those two out and also go and check out his first book that we cover back on episode 12. And that one is Metallica Club Days, 1982 to 1984. And this is from a guy that was on the scene, friend of the band, got a lot of those great inside shots that you probably have seen some of them and never even realized, just like with Bill O'Leary, not even realized they were Bill Hale. So again, check that one out. And that is available uh, up on our uh, friends at Amazon. And the second one you can find up there is called Megadeth, Another Time, A Different Place. And again, another great book, a lot of insider shots. Bill was pretty much the guy that did all the initial promo shots for Megadeth. In fact, I have one of his favorite Dave Mustaine shots that he sent me a really nice print of hanging on my wall. I can see it right now as I'm recording this. So check that one out as well. Megadeth, Another Time, A Different Place. Another great photography book from my buddy, Bill Hale. And if you don't do it already, I highly recommend that you follow Bill up on Twitter. It is photo by Bill Hale. That is H-A-L-E. And he just never know. He gets in the mood. He starts posting like old UFO and scorpions and all kinds of great stuff from the archives. So good guy to follow on Twitter because you just never know what kind of classic metal shot he could post at any given time. So, all right, enough of that. Let's get back to the talk with Bill O'Leary. One of them was about a year or so ago. I had Mark Weiss on. Of course, yep. And then about five or six years ago, I had Mick Hudson on from the UK. Do do you personally know any of those guys? Uh, Mark Weiss, I know because he's from New Jersey where I did, where I lived when I took the majority of my photos. I, I, you know, they're acquaintances. Uh, When you're shooting photos at, for example, the world famous Madison Square Garden, you're, you're bumping elbows with these famous people, right? Um, so yeah, I know them as acquaintances and from shooting the same shows, but, uh, photographers tend to be a little bit, uh, competitive with each other. And there's a lot of ego involved as there is in anything involved with rock and roll. And that's unfortunate because I'm the kind of photographer, I'm a, I'm a fan first. I love music and I love photography. I don't, I don't worry about competing and whose, whose photos are better, you know? So yeah, I, I, I tend to shy away from that competitiveness and, you know, I mean, I have other photographers, if there's a photo I really love, I'll put it on my wall amongst my photos. I don't worry about that. Yeah. So what came first for you, Bill? Was it the love of photography or the love of music? It was the love of music all the way. Music was my escape. I went to my first concert in 1977, and I saw Genesis. And I walked out just blown away by the the PA system, uh, the lighting, everything. And four concerts later, in the same year, was when I took a camera and I saw the gods opening for Angel in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And it changed my changed my world. And the thing that immediately got me was I wanted to leave the concert with a lot more than just a ticket stub and a t-shirt maybe. I wanted to capture what I saw. And photography was the natural way to go. So I borrowed cameras early when I would go to concerts and, you know, would take pictures and very quickly within six months to a year, a lot of people were telling me you're a natural because I got really good shots. And that, that made me move on, move forward and really want to take it seriously. So yeah, it was the music and not to drag it out too far, but a lot of people have told me over the years that 
I know exactly when to snap the picture as far as the moment, capturing the moment. And I believe that that's directly because of my love and knowledge of the music itself. I go to see my favorite bands and instantly I know every note, every drum part in the song, and I know when to pull the trigger to snap the picture. And I think that really helped me to become a great photographer was because of my love of the music. Bill, when you were going, bringing the cameras into your first concerts, was that were you sneaking them in or were you there as a professional photographer? No, everybody has to start at the bottom, including me. In those days, I like to call it guerrilla tactics, where we snuck in the body of the camera. Maybe a friend that was with me brought in one of the lenses. Uh, another friend with me would bring in the rolls of film so that when they did the pat down in those early days, they would, they would let us go because you're not carrying everything at once on one person. Now, you know, this is the early days. They, they didn't, security was nothing like it is nowadays. You, you could walk into any show carrying stuff and they would barely search you. So you had to start somewhere and building up a portfolio of photos is how you would eventually get credentials because you had to prove yourself with your images. So, yes, early on we snuck in cameras, we did whatever we had to do, and it was, it was very thrilling. For example, uh, when I shot Judas Priest in 1980 on their British Steel Tour, I had first row tickets, and four of three of my friends came with me so four of us total we each had a part of the camera and luckily two of us got in the other two had to bring the pieces back to the car but the two that got in was the body of the camera and a 50 millimeter lens the two most important pieces that could have gotten in thank god because my british steel pictures are very well known, known and famous uh, nowadays. And if, it, if I hadn't gotten those two pieces of the equipment in, I wouldn't have been able to take those pictures. Eventually though, yeah, you, you prove that you're legit with your portfolio and that leads to getting credentials and working for magazines. You develop contacts with certain bands, uh, local bands especially. So yeah, it, it takes time, but we, we in the early days, it was called guerrilla, guerrilla warfare, if you will. Um, did you ever go to a concert and none of the camera got in and you, you weren't able to shoot at all? Not that I recall, but I will tell you this. Being a fan first, I went to, I would say 50% 50, 50 of the concerts that I went to, I went to shoot the show with a camera. The other 50%, I went as a fan. And and this is where a lot of people are surprised. There were many times when I wanted to go see a band that I loved, and I didn't want to take pictures because that took away from enjoying the concert to the fullest extent. A good example of that is uh, 1981 in the U.S., Judas Priest was on their point of entry tour, and for the very first time in the United States was Iron Maiden on their Killers tour. And I wanted to completely enjoy the show and not take pictures, and I did. <laughs> do I regret not having those pictures nowadays? Of course I do. But because it was all about the music and being a fan, I, I'm not. I'm not upset about that. I, I I have the memory in my mind, even if I don't have the actual pictures. Now, if you're in, if you're at a concert back then, you're at the sneaking a camera in. Tell me about getting a vantage point where it's your view isn't obstructed. There's not going to be much movement in front of you that you can get great pictures. Was that difficult? It was not difficult for me because. Living in the New York City area, there were 
very established ticket scalpers, people that had the inside scoop to the best tickets. Fortunately for me, I was connected with one who would get me tickets for any show I wanted. And most of the shows were reserved seating. So if, if a show came along, I could get front row center seats at Madison Square Garden or any of the other venues. Therefore, it was getting me the perfect vantage point reserved. Yes, I did shoot general admission shows where you would pay the price, wait in line, but mainly in those days it was reserved seating. So I paid a premium price for tickets, and when I say that, I'm only talking 30 40 maybe $50 per seat back when the face value of those seats was only $8. But in order to get a reserved front row center seat, for example, when I shot Queen at Madison Square Garden in 1980, I was front row center. And it was invaluable to pay $45 scalped ticket price for a front row seat. So yes, I, I had that advantage and I took full advantage of that. Um. Did any of the photographers in the pit, the professional photographers, turn around and maybe point to security and say, look, you want to get, get this guy out of here? No, I never, never, ever had that situation. Never. They were typically focused on doing their job, typically right in front of me, until the days when I could be in that pit, elbow to elbow with them with credentials. But no, in the early days... No, they, you know, because behind them didn't matter. They were focused on the band and what was in front of them. And also, you know, I would develop uh, conversations with, with some of them, especially if I knew them uh, by, you know, just before the show, you know, they'd come out and be in the photo pit and, you know, start up a conversation about, you know, wow, you know, who are you shooting for? What magazine? And most of them were pretty talkative and friendly. And it led to me, obviously, wanting to be in that same position and achieving, you know, getting credentials. But in the early days, you know, everybody has to start somewhere. And that's what gave me the drive to, uh, to eventually get published in magazines and, get, and be able to secure credentials. Was there somebody... In photography, a professional that gave you a lot of pointers, maybe helped you get the, the leg in to get your credentials in the beginning? Not, not really, to be honest. I had to work every angle, and what I did in the old days was I contacted all the magazines and the uh, editors of those magazines, and I would send in uh, samples of my work along with a letter, you know, requesting... Um, what their photo needs were prior to every issue and if you work those connections as i did back in the early early 80s they pay off one of my one of my best connections early on was the editor editor of guitar player magazine jas obrecht he took me on right away as a young up-and-coming photographer and used my photography in in the magazine and that was some of my earliest earliest uh, public publishing, um, 1982 and 1983, I believe. And to get into Guitar Player Magazine was huge. So I basically did all of that connecting on my own without the help of other photographers. Were you spending a lot of money before you became a professional on the equipment? Yes. Okay, you, you had to do that to get anywhere at, at that time. And, and especially because in those days we were using film yeah. and you had to buy the rolls of film and a roll of 36 exposure film may have been six, seven, eight dollars per roll. I usually brought four rolls uh, into a concert and then you're talking eight to ten dollars to develop each roll of film into prints. 
three by five prints, which is what I preferred to do back then, uh, because I wanted to see the prints, you know, the picture. A lot of photographers would do contact sheets, but the actual images were very small. I, I liked having the three by five images to, to, to flip through. So yes, very expensive. Um, the equipment, not so much. Uh, back then, it, you know, good equipment really wasn't that much money. I mean, under a under thousand dollars easily. I used old uh, Minolta 35 millimeter SRT camera bodies with uh, various lenses. And the equipment really wasn't that expensive. Okay. When you were sneaking the cameras into concerts and you were taking the pictures, did you notice that there was a lot of other people around you doing the same thing? Or was it, did you think it was rare what you were doing? It, it was very rare. I hardly ever saw other people sneaking in cameras, especially when you compare it to nowadays where everybody has a cell phone and everybody is either filming or snapping pictures. In fact, uh, it's quite ironic that back then, the level of security to make sure that the, no one could bring in recording devices or still cam film cameras, it, it's amazing how compared to today, where everybody is a photographer, everybody is filming. So it's, it's amazing when you compare the difference 40 years ago. But no, I was the only one that usually shooting. Again, back to Judas Priest on the British Steel Tour. Uh, I'm in the front row, and there are no photographers, no photographer pit. I was the only one with a camera, and security didn't do anything. They didn't care. And it's one of those moments that I'll never forget because I, I, I feel that my British Steel photos are some of the some of my best because it was just so in the moment and there were no other photographers. Were there any bands back then when you were doing what you were doing and you weren't a professional that they found out about your photographs and contacted you to try and get them? Oh, sure. Especially in my inner circle, you know, of music friends. And, you know, back then, before the internet, you, you networked, you know, through word of mouth and your friends. And a lot of that, that, that way I connected with a lot of people. But I also uh, became an entrepreneur very early. I used to advertise in the back of Circus Magazine, Hit Parader Magazine, a lot of local entertainment magazines, you know, selling my, my photography. And so I was getting letters from all over the world. I want to buy photos of this band or that band. And so, yeah, I was, I was a businessman very early on. And it wasn't so much to make money. It was to share, you know, the photography that I loved and capturing these images and to reach, you know, the fans of particular bands I shot. And it's very similar to uh, today with, for example, social media, Facebook, Instagram. But back then, you did it, you know, uh, through advertising in the back of these rock magazines. That was how you got your name out there. That's how people c contacted you. Bill, can you remember the first professional shot you did? What, what concert? What band? Sure. Like I said, uh, my fourth concert was... Uh, November 3rd, 1977, and it was the gods opening up for Angel, and I had a real cheap camera and was taking pictures, and I, I shot an amazing photo of their lead guitar player, Mark Chatfield, and I'm looking at it right now because it's framed on my wall, and I consider it to be, you know, my first real good uh, quality photos and it, it, it's 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 an amazing photo to me and uh, on Facebook at least people absolutely love it and yeah I look at it as my very first and then it was after that night it was I was ready to go <laughs> do you think being a good concert photographer 
it's not is it so, it's not something you can really learn though you just have to have a really good instinct for it would you say that's fair i would say that's very fair especially considering uh in my time in the early days when you're using film uh we're talking about analog film the lighting was very different than today uh they were using uh, light bulbs with what they called color gels, and the lighting was not as intense as it, as it is nowadays, which made it more difficult. Uh, the other thing that made it very difficult was um, film, it, it, it's harder to freeze action. And for example, shooting Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick, or Angus Young of ACDC back then, those two in particular were constantly flying around the stage. So you really had to lock into them to get a good shot. Otherwise, it would be blurry. Like I said, especially with analog film. Digital photography uh, is different because it, it would freeze action immediately. So yeah, it was a, it was very uh, challenging in the early days, but like I said, I I, I became an, a natural for it. I was able to read the the color of the lighting and how that is red a good color to shoot, is yellow or blue better, which of course it is. So how it reacts to the film. So I got I got very good quick. And again, I think it's all because of my love for music. I mean, I was really passionate about music, and it was all connected when I started shooting concerts. Mm. Um, Bill, I know this is a subjective question, and it's probably something that I don't know whether you've had a set opinion on it over the years or it's changed, but what to you makes a great concert photograph? Oh, well... Of course, there's a lot of things that go into it. Of course, there's the technical side where it has to be composed properly. It has to be well lit by either natural lighting or if you were to use a flash on your camera, which occasionally I had to uh, back in the days because if you shot in smaller theaters or clubs, the lighting was very, very minimal and weak. I personally could not stand flash photography. I, I used to call it crime scene photography because I thought the flash made it very artificial. And I wanted no flash. I wanted natural lighting, the stage lighting, because in my opinion, that is what the naked eye saw when you were watching the concert. I wanted it to be identical to what you saw. So that made it tougher. Um, crisp, good lighting, good composition, as I said. And then, you know, like I said before, the passion and knowing the music so that you could capture the perfect emotion, the perfect timing the perfect bending of the strings on a guitar. Drum shots, drummer shots, are some of the most difficult because you have this massive drum set blocking the view. Occasionally, you can see the drummer's face, you know, in between drum toms or cymbals. And so those shots were extremely difficult to get. A lot of those drum shots required just perfect timing. Uh, and luck, I'll admit. So there's a lot that went into the perfect shot, but for me, it's all about the passion and knowing when to pull the trigger to snap the shot. Mm. I just got a couple of more questions, Bill, before I leave you go. Um, what's that, the hardest band to shoot properly? Was the one that stands out? Well, that depended on the audience because the audience... And if you were in the middle of the audience or in the front couple rows with an audience that was extremely aggressive, oh, talk about a challenge. Um, I mean, I recall I recall a, sh a show, I can't remember what band it was, um, where I'm shooting, concentrating through the camera eye, and I get kicked in the side of the head 
with a size 13 Doc Martin boot, almost getting knocked out. You know, someone was stage diving or crowd surfing. Uh, so it was a lot of it was the crowd. In fact, I'll let you know, and a lot of people may be, be surprised, I have shot some of the most brutal metal shows from Slayer, uh, Morbid Angel, Obituary, you name it, Napalm Death, and the most violent concert as far as the fans that I ever went to and took pictures at, believe it or not, was the Grateful Dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Grateful Dead fans, and this was in New York City at Madison Square Garden, the second the lights went out, everybody just crushed the front of the stage. I mean, to the point where you could, you were, you were literally lifted off the ground from the crush. So I would say that it's dependent on the crowd. As far as difficulty, um, as far as a band or an artist, there were some artists I shot that when I was a house photographer uh, at a small theater in Boulder, Colorado, there were some artists who didn't want pictures taken that night or, you know, just for whatever reason, they didn't want their pictures taken. And, um, you know, because they're in a bad mood that night or they just don't want photos taken. So that that's another part of it. But I would say in general, some of the most difficult were because of the crowd. And shooting a Slayer concert, for example, is is very challenging because there's you're concentrating on the band, but behind you there are bodies flying everywhere. <laughs> so, but I I always loved that because it added to the excitement. It was kind of like being at war. You're you're in the trenches, and you're doing the best you can with all all the excitement and energy. And I found that to be really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about overzealous security? Ever get any of that? Um, usually, usually not, because in later years, uh, they enacted the promoters and bands and management enacted the three song rule, which meant that photographers could only shoot the first three songs in the pit, and then they had to leave. So, typically in that period of three songs the security is doing their job. They're, they're facing the crowd and looking for bodies or crowd surfers or stage divers. So they're really not focused on the photographers. The photographers are, are on their team, so to speak. They're just there. And uh, so no, never, never really had any problem at all dealing with security they were typically on your team so to speak so no i mean earlier days when there weren't photo pits in front of the stage which believe it or not in the early days was you know that was very common especially in theaters there were no, no photo pits so you were right there in the crowd uh shooting from you know whatever seat you had in the first few rows so that made it tough because you're dealing with the main crowd and, and how rowdy they were. I could give you an example real quick. When I shot ACDC on their Back in Black tour in 1980, it was a situation. It was a theater, no photo pit, and it was 120 degrees because the AC broke down that day. Angus Young somebody in the front row was yanking at his schoolboy socks and he finally had had enough and threw down his guitar and dove into the front row in a fist fight and the band kept playing while the roadies the roadies came and dove in and tried to break it up so I, I witnessed this whole thing. No, I did not take pictures of it, but I saw the whole thing. And it was extremely uh, aggressive. And, uh, you know, so this is before security. I mean, you just had your roadies on stage that would basically 
be security guys as far as what happened on stage or in this case if one of the band members jumped into the crowd in a fight <laughs> mm. so so bill what do you make of it you know this three or four song rule that you a lot of photographers seem to get now that you're only allowed in the pit for the first couple of songs and then you have to get out of there that, that to me is it's a bit restrictive for you guys because normally the best shots will come later in the show when the band are more on it well, Richie, you nailed the nail on the head. The best visual part of any production does not happen in the, in the first three songs. So when that started, I absolutely hated it. Uh, I thought it was a slap in the face, and I looked at it as more of a control issue, more of an ego issue, where promoters and maybe management of the bands wanted to control us lowly photographers so no i didn't like it at all i hated it in fact i that's what made me become a house photographer is uh at small theaters so that i had free reign to shoot the entire show unlike some of the big arena shows where they had the three song rule so i couldn't stand it uh it's just a form of control and I mean, yeah, you could shoot fast and shoot as many shots as you could within three songs, but production-wise, you're right. You would miss the best parts. It's kind of a disservice to the band as well. They want the best pictures, and you're not able to take them. Right, but later on when that happened, bands would eventually hire a photographer to go on tour with them and that photographer would have full reign uh, to shoot the entire show and multiple shows so as far as individual bands they they would get that for example metallica who became huge as we all know uh they hired uh ross halfen yeah. a famous english photographer and you know he would be on the stage during performance walking around shooting amazing shots that you could never get from the photo pit uh for example so yeah that that's how bands would get you know their own their own shots did you get to know any of the musicians bill or was there always a a kind of a barrier put up between you and them that you shoot them and you never get to meet them or talk to them? No, I have uh, befriended many, many bands. Um, I was very good friends early on with the band, the metal band Overkill. Yeah. Um, yep, I went to, uh, I met them probably three or four years before they even released their first album and in fact i shot their very first promo photos but that was because not because of me being a photographer i met them early on because of we were fans of the same music later on yes it would be i'm losing my voice richie <laughs> um later on yeah it would be uh for example i when i would hang out with anthrax i had you know, really old pictures of Danny Spitz, who was one of their original guitar players, who was, in fact, he was in Overkill long before he joined Anthrax. And so I would connect with these bands by showing them, like, old photos of them. <laughs> and, and, and that was a great, uh, you know, door opener to meet these people. But, you know, most of them, uh, yeah, very easy to meet especially if you were in the venue early before the main before the crowd got in uh for example sometimes photographers would get in you know at sound check before the show and you could interact if you chose but i was never pushy about that i i was there to do my job and they were there to do theirs and that was a mutual respect you weren't trying to to uh take away their time Mm. I'll finish up with this question, Bill. Um, do you find now in the last, say, 10 years or so, all these bands are releasing all these anniversary editions of albums and vo on vinyl now with box sets and, and all that kind of thing? You know, a lot of the push now on music is catalogue. And they're contacting you now for the old photographs. Is that happening a lot more now? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially in my case, because the majority of my archives are 30 to 40 years old. And a box set typically is going back in time, especially with rare and unreleased music. So naturally, rare and unreleased photography to go along with that mm. is a natural in a box set. Um, and also, uh, I've been getting a lot of my work published in um, documentaries on TV now, uh, which do the same thing. They go back and they tell the story of the band, you know, either from the beginning or when the band was breaking up or what what have you. So, yeah, as, as your photography becomes more vintage, uh, sure, there's a higher demand, and I I'm in a perfect place these days to to be able to to enjoy that and and to and to actually have you know photography that that people want to use, and so between box sets, uh, remastered CDs, documentaries, yes, I am very fortunate at this point in time to be getting my photography used in a lot of a lot of different areas right now. Bill, you've never lost any of it, have you? Over the years you've all, you've you still have it all? Uh, you mean the photography? Yeah, the photos, yeah. The film. Oh, sure. No, no, no. I I uh, very meticulously cataloged all my negative strips uh, into three ring binders in negative pages. And I kept that in a nice, cool, and dark closet, for example, for all these years. And then in the last uh, 20 years with technology, I digitally scanned my negatives you know, into the computer so that I had instant access uh, on the computer to send a digital image to magazines, uh, DVD production companies, what have you. So, no, I, I never lost anything. In fact, it's kind of funny. It's quite the opposite. By going through my old negatives, I have actually found a lot of photos that I had forgotten I even had. So, um, no, I've been very organized my entire life. And um, when you have 25,000 concert images... You have to be organized. <laughs> yeah, true, true. So, Bill, do you have a, a website or where someone can order any of your books or, or get in touch with you? Well, if you go to Amazon, you can you can get to my six books. I have six different books. All you have to do is go to Amazon and type in Bill O'Leary, O apostrophe L E A R Y, and you if you type in my name as the author. You'll, you'll see the books. My main website is TimelessConcertImages.com And then I have another website that sells framed and unframed prints, t-shirts, coffee cups, you name it. And that's TimelessConcertImages.Pixels P-I-X-E-L-S dot com and there you can shop for any type of photo, T-shirts, you name it. Any of my photos can be can be put on anything. And um, so I enjoy that. But yeah, mainly uh, Amazon.com uh, for my books is 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 the best best way to get the most photography for your money. Okay. Well, Bill, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for the photographs; they're amazing. Thank you, Richie. I really appreciate it. And it's all about the passion and not letting the old, you know, especially metal. And, you know, I, I mean, I've shot a lot of different types of music, but metal is in my heart and I will always live. And thanks again, Richie. Yeah. Take care. Have a good rest of the day, Bill. So that's a wrap on our first week with Bill O'Leary. And again, just as a review, you want to find out more about Bill in the interim, you can head to Timeless concertimages.com and on there he's got his little bio he talks about his book there's a big and i mean big list of bands he's photographed in alphabetical order which is nice with dates and all that good stuff 
And if you want to go and maybe look at and see what kind of images are available to purchase from Bill, then you want to go to timelessconcertimages.pixels.com and check out what's available there. There is some really cool shots there, which of course, I mean, Bill's a pro, right? And go up to Amazon, search under Bill O'Leary, photographer, and you can get any of his uh photo books that are out there lots of good stuff there to choose from and to me i'm thinking you know if you really like what you see on the website then go and get that timeless concert images the definitive collection and that one there gives you one plus two plus i think like another 52 more images that aren't in either of those volumes as well and that one's just been recently updated so to me that's the one that I would definitely be wanting to get. And, you know, while you're on Amazon and you're searching for photographers whose first names start with Bill, then again, check out my friend Bill Hale. Two great books by him out there. One with Metallica, one with Megadeth. Good stuff from their really, really early days. And some of the stuff you might recognize, some photos here or there, and then others you'll just be surprised at the amount of stuff that he was actually able to capture. So good stuff. And again, check all of that stuff out. And speaking of checking out, remember to check out our next episode once it's posted. We're going to continue this chat with Bill O'Leary and go down a rundown of a lot of the bands that he did and stories and photos and dates and all of that good stuff. But for this week, that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. So for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you again, as always, remember... Focus on Metal! Everything else is insignificant. Still here? It's over. Go home.